Welcome to the World Video Bible School Podcast. Keeping our marriages focused on Jesus keeps the devil at bay from his destructive influence. This will help produce a Christ-centered family that will flourish in the sight of God. Join Mike Vestal in this second lesson as he takes an in-depth look at how God's Word teaches us how to be good stewards of our family. On loan, those two words vividly and powerfully describe your family and your home. In recent years, both of our children have gotten married. And now my wife and I are grandparents. What a blessing. What a great joy it is to have a Christ-centered family. When you think about your family, when you think about your home, please understand this. Our family, our home, is ours for a while, so it can be God's forever. When we look at the Word of God, we need to think of our families, our homes, as a gift, a blessing from God, a sacred trust. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, the Word of God says, If one would be a steward, if one would be a manager, he must be faithful. How important it is to be trustworthy and loyal with God's greatest gifts. Our families, our homes, our loved ones. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 48, the Bible says, To whom much has been given, much is required. What a blessing it is to have a family. What a great joy it is to have a home. Someone once defined home, they defined family as we're all live for and love each other and we're all together live for and love the Lord. How true that is. One of life's greatest joys is to have a Christ-centered family. As we think about this, let's look at four foundational Old Testament passages that tell us something about having a home that truly honors God. What kind of legacy are you leaving? What kind of spiritual impact for Jesus are you leaving within your family, within your home? That may well be the most important question you will ever deal with. In Psalm 127 in verse 1, the Bible says, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. How essential it is for our families, our homes, to be built on the Lord. He needs to build our families. He needs to watch over our families. And we covet, we pray for His blessings upon our families, our homes. A second passage to consider would be Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 15, God speaks through the prophet Moses. And He gives some very important instruction to His people, the Jewish nation. He encourages them to hear the Lord constantly. Hear, O Israel. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. How important it is for us to hear 
God constantly in our homes. Be careful how you hear Luke 8 and verse 18. But when you keep looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 15, there's a second truth to notice. God's people are to love the Lord fervently with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might or strength. In continuing to notice what's said in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is an important truth to keep in mind. Teach the young diligently. Oh, God's people throughout the ages, hearing the Lord, loving the Lord, teaching the word of the Lord diligently to the young, and then remembering the Lord. How we need to remember, according to Deuteronomy chapter 6, how good God has been to us, how He blesses, forget not all of His benefits, Psalm 103 and verse 2. How we need to remember that life's greatest blessings come from God. But in looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's yet another truth, another principle for us to consider. People who want a God-centered home, a God-centered family, will obey the Lord faithfully. There are all kinds of enticements, all kinds of allurements out in the world, things that can distract us, things that can become idols. Obey the Lord faithfully. In considering these foundational passages from the Old Testament and how the Old Testament gives us insight for how to please God in the New Testament, the time in which we live today, it's good to consider Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom a house is built. By understanding it is established. By knowledge its rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. In one sense, it's not what you have in your house that makes it a home. But in another sense, it is. Our families, our homes consist of people of who we have in our house. Each and every one is precious and to be treasured, a gift from God, a sacred trust. And yet at the same time, it is what we have in our house that makes it a home. Understanding, wisdom, forgiveness, good communication, and love. In looking at the Old Testament and how it lays the foundation for us to consider what it means to have a Christ-centered family, a Christ-centered home, there's a really relevant question asked in 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 15 through 18. It's a question that was asked by Isaiah to King Hezekiah. It is a question that is pertinent, that's relevant, that's applicable for any age, for any time, for any individual family or home. Here's the question. What have they seen in your house? Think about that. What has 
your spouse seen in your house? What have the kids seen in your house, in your family? What have the children seen in your home? What have neighbors and loved ones seen in our house, in our family? Most important, what has God seen in your family, in your house? Would He be pleased? What has God seen in your house? For He sees everything. Acts 1 and verse 24, 1 John 3 and verse 20. He hears every conversation. He sees everything that goes on. In Ephesians chapters. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15, 16, and 17. There are some powerful principles for us to consider as we think about a Christ-centered family and home. In Ephesians 5, 15, the Word of God says, Be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk in your family or home. It's certainly an area of life where we want to make sure we walk properly. In Ephesians 5 and verse 16, God's Word says, Redeem the time. Redeeming the time. Children grow up so fast, don't they? In the blinking of our eyes, they go from being babies to getting married. Redeem the time. Buy up the opportunities. Because family and home are a sacred trust, we should view the time we put into our families and homes as a spiritual investment. And then in Ephesians 5 and verse 17, the Word of God says, Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How crucial, how necessary it is for us to understand what the will of God is concerning our families so that we can know the great blessing, the marvelous joy of having a Christ-centered family and home. In Ephesians chapters 5 and 6, the Word of God gives us ten priorities, ten priorities that every Christ-centered family will emphasize. A Christ-centered family is a godly family. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. It is so important for every home, for every family, to discipline itself to godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It's important, it is a must, that we pursue godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. Godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6. And what it really means to be godly, to have this priority in our families, it means that we treasure things that are above. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. 
It means that our affections are set on things that are above. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. But here in Ephesians chapter 5, 18 through 21, notice characteristics of godliness. A godly family stresses spirituality. Be not drunken with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18. Oh, how we need to have spiritually minded families and homes. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace, Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. Look at Ephesians 5, 19, and a godly home is a praising home. There's singing and praise that is offered up to God. Our homes should be saturated with singing and praise because as a Christian family, as a Christian home, we have so much to sing about. We do have a joy in our heart, and we know the great blessings of our Lord. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, another characteristic, a third characteristic of godliness is this, that we are people who are thankful, that we are grateful homes, grateful families. If we're truly going to have a godly family, we must be grateful to God. But in Ephesians 5 and verse 21, there's yet another characteristic of godliness mentioned. A godly family, a godly home is submissive. Everyone in the home recognizes the place and the value of others that are in that family. And everyone yields to God. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 39 through 41, our dear Lord prayed, Not as I will, but your will be done. In a Christ-centered family, in a Christ-centered home, everyone is in full agreement because of a desire to be godly that God's will be done. A second quality, a second mark of a Christ-centered family or home is seen in Ephesians 5 verses 22 through 33. A Christ-centered family makes love a priority. A Christ-centered family makes love a priority. And the context especially speaks of the love that a husband has for his wife and the regard that a wife has for her husband. But taking this principle and extending it to the family as a whole, the love that exists in a Christ-centered family is a love that suffers long and is kind. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. It's a love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. We have a faith that works through love. Galatians 5 and verse 6. In love, we serve one another. Galatians 5 and verse 13. And looking at the immediate context of Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, as this beautiful chapter comes to a close, 
there is an emphasis on a love that is supreme. No greater love than that of a husband for a wife. At least here on this earth, family love should be great and pure and noble. It should be supreme. It is a love that is satisfying. Those in the family, those in our home, our family should know that we love them, that we care. It's a love that is sanctifying. Think about that. The love that exists in our home should be so Christ-centered that it encourages everyone in the home to draw closer to Jesus, to be nearer to God. The love that exists in a family, if it's to be a Christ-centered family, is a selfless love. Think about what Jesus did for the church. He gave Himself up for her, Ephesians 5.25. A selfless love. When selfishness abounds and when sin abounds in a marriage, a family, a home, God is dishonored and the family is not being Christ-centered. A third priority of a Christ-centered home is obedience. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children are instructed to obey their parents in the Lord because this is right. Obedience in a family is an absolute necessity. It's not optional. It's a must if we would be pleasing to God. Jesus Himself taught, If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14 and verse 15. Jesus obeyed the Father. Though He were a son, yet learned He obedience by the things that He suffered. Hebrews 5 verses 8 and 9. It is a mark it is a priority of every godly home that obedience to God is emphasized. Is that true of your home? Is that true of your family? Is it a matter of deepest concern that we obey our Lord Jesus Christ? As we think about obedience, parents are not only to teach obedience to God. We are to model it. In Philippians 4 and verse 9, Paul put it this way, The things which you both learned and received and heard and saw in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. How important it is for everyone in the home, everyone in the family, to obey the Lord, to obey the teaching of Scripture. But in the fourth place, look at Ephesians chapter 6 and notice verses 2 and 3. Ephesians 6 verses 2 and 3. A Christ-centered family makes respect a priority. A Christ-centered family makes respect a priority. 
honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with promise, that it might be well with you and that you may live long on the face of the earth. Respect and honor are often in short supply in this world. But it should be seen, it should be evident, it should be appreciated in a Christ-centered family and home. We treat each other with proper respect and honor because we first of all honor the Lord. We respect God and His precious inspired Word. On one occasion, God would ask His people in the Old Testament, Where is my honor? Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. God's people at that time were offering lame and sick sacrifices to God and think, thinking that they had done their duty, they thought that they were, were satisfying God's demands. And yet there was a conspicuous lack of respect and honor for the Lord. Giving God His due. That's what honor is about. That's what respect is about. And that's what respect and honor are about in a family as well. When I was a young person, I recall hearing people use the expression, that person carries a lot of weight with me. They weren't talking about how much a person weighed literally. They were talking about the respect and honor that they held that person in because of the character, the nature of their lives, their words, their actions. Their thinking mattered. And young people, the thinking, the actions, the words of your parents should matter. The Word of God teaches that. And every parent who really wants to stress a Christ-centered family or home will be respectful and honoring to God. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, notice this in the fifth place. A Christ-centered home makes gentleness a priority. You fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath. You see, in a Christ-centered family and home, gentleness is a priority. Paul would write to people even when they had done wrong things, like the church at Corinth, and he would write to them with a spirit of firmness and yet gentleness. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. In Galatians 5, verses 22 through 24, we have the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit includes gentleness. When you think of Jesus, He was meek and lowly, gentle and lowly in heart. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. When you think about Moses, the great prophet of God in the Old Testament, he was known as the meekest man in all the earth. Numbers 12 and verse 3. Oh, how gentleness and treating each other with kindness and gentleness and meekness. Oh, how these things are crucial. They are so important to a Christ-centered family.
in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, see this in the sixth place about a Christ-centered family. A Christ-centered family makes maturity a priority. It makes maturity a priority. And while it's true that we are to be childlike, Matthew 18, 1 through 6, we're not to remain childish. We need to grow up to behave ourselves as people who are mature. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. In our families, in our homes, we need to emphasize whole child development. Think about how Jesus grew in Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with God and with men. And looking at that passage more closely, Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew mentally, intellectually. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. He grew physically. He grew in favor with God. He grew spiritually. Are the people in our family, are the people in our home growing spiritually? Often we're very concerned about the children's development academically in school. We're concerned about their physical growth, and we ought to be. But are we even more concerned about their spiritual growth in favor with God? How about Jesus growing in favor with man? There is such an importance to be attached to growing socially with our social skills. And you know, it involves not only being an active participant in a family, in a home, but social skills involve being around others, whether it be school, the church, the neighbors, and them being able to see that we are Christ-centered in how we view our lives. Yes, I think about this priority of maturity and how those of us who are older need to continue to develop, to develop intellectually and mentally, to develop spiritually, and to develop socially so that our lights can shine brightly for Jesus Christ. Oh, that's what a Christ-centered family wants to do. Look yet again at Ephesians 6 and verse 4. And here is a seventh attribute. Think about how a Christ-centered home makes discipline a priority. Discipline takes a variety of forms. Sometimes discipline can be instructive. It involves words. Sometimes discipline will be corrective. Sometimes discipline might even be punitive. It will punish behavior that is sinful or inappropriate. And it will reward behavior that is good and wholesome and God-honoring. One thing is absolutely sure. 
There is a place in a Christ-centered family for proper discipline. Rules without relationship will equal rebellion. A relationship with no rules at all would equal chaos. There needs to be the practice of proper discipline. In Proverbs 13 and verse 24, the wise man said, He who hates his son spares the rod, but he who loves him diligently disciplines him. Think about that. God Himself is a God who disciplines. And admittedly, God exercises perfect discipline. His instruction, His correction, even His punishment when we do wrong, these are always perfect because He's God. Sometimes our actions are not all that we would have them to be, but a Christ-centered home, a Christ-centered family seeks to practice discipline, makes a priority of discipline that is godly and right and good. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11, the Word of God says, Do not despise the discipline of the Lord, because who the Lord loves, He disciplines. He disciplines. In Revelation 3 and verse 19, God says, Those that I love, I reprove, I reprove, I discipline. There will always be a place in a Christ-centered family for the exercise of proper discipline. In Ephesians chapter 6 verses 5 through 9, a Christ-centered family makes this priority the priority of responsibility. There is responsibility in the home. When you look at the life of Jesus, He said, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it's day. The night comes when no one can work, John 9 verse 4. You think about our Lord's statement in John 17 and verse 4. I've glorified you on earth. I have accomplished the work that you gave me to do. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, in John 19 and verse 30, He said, It is finished. Jesus came to earth and behaved responsibly. He accomplished the work. He did the task that God wanted Him to do. He went to the cross on our behalf. And in our families, our homes, we need to see the place of responsibility that we too have a task, we have work to accomplish. Ultimately, it is glorifying God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, but even in our everyday work, our everyday activity, we are to work as unto the Lord, doing the will of God from the heart, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6. Wouldn't it be great that everything that was done, as far as our work, we looked at it and we said, Lord, this is for you. I'm doing this for you. That should be true in a classroom as young people are learning 
to the glory of God. That should be true in the workplace. Our bosses, those who are our leaders, may not be the kind of people that they ought to be, but, oh friend, ultimately you and I are serving the Lord, and it's a matter of being Christ-centered in all of our work, in our responsibility. Work existed before sin entered the world. Think about that from the book of Genesis. Adam was naming all of the animals and he was tending the garden. Work existed before sin came into the world. Work is not simply the result of sin. I love the way Paul put it in Philippians 1.27. He said, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, that whether I come to see you or be absent, I hear of your state, that you stand fast with one spirit, with one soul, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We behave responsibly in our homes, in our families, because we're Christ centered. Now consider Ephesians chapter 6 and look at verses 10 through 17. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. A Christ centered family, a Christ centered family makes a priority of strength. It is so important to see Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Too many families are strong with the wrong kind of strength. They're strong in and of themselves. They trust in their abilities, in their minds, in their attributes or assets. But this passage strongly emphasizes to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. As we go out into the world each and every day, it's a war out there. What are you wearing to the war? Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 discusses the armor of God and how every piece is to be properly put on so that we can be strong in Him and in the strength of His might. It's possible to be religious. It's possible to be Christian people and yet to face the world in our own strength and power. How wrong and how foolish this really is. Jesus said, Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, verses 4 and 5. And then again, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5, Paul taught, Our sufficiency is not of ourselves, but of God. As parents, are we making sure that our children go out into the world properly attired with the whole armor of God? As we leave, 
our homes, to go out to our jobs, to do our task, to perform our duties, to work, have we put on the whole armor of God? If we fail to do this, we will soon be a casualty and that can have devastating effects not only on our own soul but on the souls of our families. But now look at Ephesians chapter 6 verses 18 through 20. In the tenth place, a Christ-centered family makes a priority out of prayer. Praying always with all prayer for all the saints with all perseverance. It's interesting how Ephesians 6, 18 through 20 deals with four alls of prayer. I just can't imagine a Christ-centered family apart from prayer. I can't think of a Christ-centered home that would neglect prayer. Prayer is the very environment in which we are to live. It is like air that we breathe, oxygen that we take in. Pray always, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Maybe in no area, no place in our lives do we need prayer more than we need prayer in our families. This sacred trust, this gift from God, we constantly bring these precious ones before our Heavenly Father. In every family, in every home, there will be people that go astray. There will be people that sin. They will wander away and they will break our hearts. No one can stop us from praying for them. There may be a limit to what we can do to help them, to bring them back to the grace of our dear Lord. But we can pray for them. My stepfather was an unfaithful Christian for about 35 years. I could not say anything to him. I couldn't get anywhere with him. He grew up in a Christian home. When I was a child, he was a faithful Christian, very involved in serving the Lord and in the work of the church. But he got discouraged and things in his life didn't go the way that he'd hoped, and he fell away. And I could say nothing to help him. And then my wife and I had children, a little boy and a little girl. And they could say things to my stepfather, their grandpa, with those innocent hearts, with those inquisitive minds. And they could touch his hard heart in a way that I simply could not. They would say, Grandpa... Can we pray together? They'd say, Grandpa, will you come worship God with us? They'd say, Grandpa, will you read us a Bible story? 
and what I could not have done in a lifetime, in a few short years, they would accomplish. They would melt his hard heart. Where shortly before he died, he wanted to make things right with his Lord. It may be that in the marvelous design and providence of God that people you cannot influence will be influenced by someone in your very family. How important, how essential it is to be a family of prayer. Our family is ours for a while so they can be God's forever. Our family is a tremendous gift, a sacred trust. Now the little boy and the little girl that my wife and I had years ago, now they're grown. Both of them are married. My wife and I are grandparents of two precious grandchildren. And I can tell you, I can assure you, there's nothing like a Christ-centered family. There's no blessing quite like having a home that loves and honors Jesus. Won't you emphasize a Christ-centered family, a Christ-centered home yourself? The difference it will make here and in the hereafter will amaze you.